Hello everyone, this is Karin Takar and welcome to the Zenergy Podcast. Over the past decade, India has done an impressive job of integrating renewable energy into its energy mix. For this Fulbright podcast series, I sought to investigate the enabling factors and potential of India's global leadership in renewable energy with the focus on solar. This Fulbright series is broken down into four seasons. In this season, through conversations with leaders who have been instrumental in developing the Indian renewable energy sector, we will highlight how India has managed to integrate 35 gigawatts of solar in just a span of 10 years. We will also explore what these leaders believe the key challenges to be as this sector further develops. In this episode, we will be speaking with Mr. Saurabh Agarwal. Managing Director of Infrastructure in the South Asia Practice at CDPQ. In this role, Mr. Agarwal is leading CDPQ's infrastructure investment efforts in South Asia, as well as developing long-term partner relationships in the region. We discuss CDPQ's decision to acquire a majority ownership stake in Azure Power and how the investment climate is evolving in the Indian renewable energy space. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Mr. Agarwal. Thank you sincerely for taking the time. When it comes to locating good investment opportunities, could you provide some insight into what the process for locating good investment opportunities looks like? and whether you believe having a strong network is an important component of that process? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you hit the nail on the, on the head. Uh, quickly zoom in um, to identify who are the possible partners and what is whether or not those partners will align with our vision. And uh, if that... Uh, if, the, if that initial assessment works, then we uh, basically go and invest a lot more time into those relationships. Then we build on the opportunities. It's a slow process. It's not easy. Um, I have to say there are uh, there are times when we are not able to make it. We have to drop it. There are not many go deeper agreements do not happen. Valuation mismatches, um, governance mismatches. There are a lot of things. And uh, ultimately, to close a transaction, it takes a lot of uh, effort, probably a lot more so than what it does in the Western world. Uh, But that's the nature of uh, the work that we have here in India. And since we are doing this for the long term, uh, our thesis is that, you know, it may take a couple of years, three years, five years to build out your portfolio. But by the end of it, if you have built out a large portfolio, with uh, credible partnerships, then it will be there to stay for a long term. So all that effort is worthwhile. So we tend to spend a lot more time uh, and, and, and effort in building out our platforms. That makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I feel like now is, is especially a good time to be investing in these long-term projects in India because of its incredible growth projections. So like those who are well-positioned now will be more likely and in a better position to tap into like those growth opportunities and 
I'm just curious as oh. to hear like honing in on the Azure investment specifically. So I know that CDBQ recently upped its initial 21% stake that it took in 2016 in Azure to now about 50% equity ownership. Could you talk about first like how the Azure initial 21% investment was kind of introduced to the CDPQ portfolio and then what led to the decision to up that 21% to about 50%? The first investment was done just prior to my arrival, uh, but I can tell you anecdotally, uh, the investment decision uh, was uh, again, as I said, 2016. We opened up India as an office. Various asset classes started looking for investments uh, opportunities. I'm sure uh, some bank reached out with Azure, which must be raising capital at that point in time. Uh, and we ended up becoming a pre-IPO investor in Azure with a, I believe it was actually more like 17, not 21, but. Uh, uh, we can check that math, 16-17% uh, shareholding right in the beginning. Uh, thereafter, it once I joined in March 2017, uh, we really looked at the investment. We assessed that this investment probably has potential to go very big, but we needed to make sure that if you want to take this big, then we also want to have enough say in the governance and how do we manage this platform as a large investor. And so we realized that uh, as and when we provide more capital uh, to the business, our position will go up, and we were not uh, uh, we were we were not uh, averse to doing that. And then slowly, as we kept providing growth capital uh, that company needed, uh, we 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 continued to increase our position, and ultimately we came to 50 plus position. Uh, it was uh, both by the needs of the company to fulfill the needs to support the growth and also our desire to ultimately get into a controlling position which allows us to have sufficient oversight and governance uh, at the board level. Got it. I also read that a current major challenge for independent power producers in the current context in India when they're building renewable power plants are the delays in signing power sale agreements between auction agencies and off-takers. Could you talk about how the bidding process in India works and why this challenge persists? Well, Azure itself is, uh, uh, is, is uh, facing uh, some of these challenges, probably much more so than many uh, other developers. Uh, we uh, bid and won a contract of actually the entire four gigawatts with uh, under a manufacturing-linked solar tender process, which was run by the central government agency, SECI. And uh, this was in late 2019, and we are sitting today in late 2021, and uh, we we haven't signed. Uh, we have barely signed. I, I want to say I think 300 odd megawatts out of this four gigawatts, and we haven't signed any meaningful capacity out of this. So the big reason for this failure to sign 
the power purchase agreements is because we have a fundamental disconnect between the state government, uh, state governments who are the actual buyers of the power, their discoms, versus the central government schemes. Uh, at least in this case, this was starkly clear. Um, and there are many other reasons as well, but uh, fundamentally, um, central government put out this policy which supported local manufacturing uh, of solar panels. And uh, on that basis, it put out the bids. Adani and Azure, there were the only two companies which won uh, capacity in this bid. Adani won eight gigawatts, Azure won four gigawatts. And uh, then under the SECI letter of intent, you are assured at least that once you have won the SECI bids, then somebody, some state will buy the power at those numbers. And uh, that has been the track record of SECI, and that is what gives a lot of comfort to the investors that once you have a SECI contract, you're not going to face trouble. However, in this particular instance, states did not even listen to SECI. Uh, and and, and uh, what was not clear is uh, uh, we have a federal system where states can ultimately decide whether or not they want the power at certain price. And it doesn't matter uh, whether SECI committed to or auction process led. It, was, it wasn't uh, anybody's decision. It was a completely an auction-based model. And uh, that auction price was not supported by the states in the future. And uh, things kept going worse as the SECI kept delaying that, uh, that what do you say, signing of the agreements with states. So those delays led to shift in the market and the market uh, started offering the pricing, panel pricing kept going down. New bids uh, uh, started coming in at much lower levels to 60s, to 50s, to 40s, to 30s. Uh, you know, it says the falling knife. It kept going down and down and down and down. And the more it goes down, the worse it gets for anybody, any state utility to take a more expensive power, uh, which was legitimately bid and won. Uh, but it was one at a different price. So, yeah, so this uh, this is one issue, uh, and, and primarily it has to do with basically states' willingness to buy power uh, at the right price, and SECI not being able to convert its auction discovered prices into an actual agreement. Uh, somewhere there is a disconnect, and the disconnect is, uh, you know, needs to be solved, because if, if center wants... Uh, to realize its targets, then it needs to have better mechanisms to enforce uh, enforce uh, to the states uh, whatever the power prices that you discover in their auctions, those have to be accepted. So it needs to be a little bit more ground up. I think uh, one option is that SECI uh, pre-commits uh, or states pre-commit their capacity with SECI, and uh, and then they take comfort from the fact that SECI will get the best possible price at a particular time, and whatever price is discovered, then states have to buy that power at that price. So some mechanism like that has to be devised. I'm simplifying it because it's extremely complex. Each state has its own politics that goes on. Power is an extremely sensitive subject, so I realize uh, the issues, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I do feel that there is a need to address this and some mechanism to be to sort this out. Understood. Understood. And from the financing side, 
So I recently read a report from um, Bloomberg New Energy Finance where they analyze the different investment shares um, for foreign investors across several emerging markets. And it stated that India lags behind other key clean energy markets in terms of the amount of foreign investments that is inherent in the Indian clean energy space, which it stated stood at around 28% investment share from foreign investors. And of course, CDBQ is a f- constituted as a foreign investor in the Indian context. And I'm just curious as to like whether you could talk a little bit about what were some of the key hesitations um, of your team over these past few years when you do invest in an emerging market like India, and then additionally in an emerging sector. Sure. I want to put that in perspective because I think uh, uh, 28% buy in itself uh, is, is, is uh, neither here nor there. I think uh, one has to look at the evolution of the sector over the years and uh, how it has, how the investment has come about. If you analyze last decade, you will see that the 28% is a very fast build out from potentially 0%, uh, right? It was primarily always under government hands, They're not even private players, forget about international, right? And then private players came in and then some investors came in and then now we see a lot more. And uh, so it's it's a story of any emerging market build out as and when uh, large institutional investors start entering into those markets, then those markets offer opportunities, they start making investments. That's point number one. So I would say 28% is not bad where the current situation is today. However, that being said, uh, there are certainly issues that are there today to bring this up much more. Uh, they should have been. Uh, 50, 60, perhaps even 70%, right? Like you see it in more other, uh, most other markets, uh, developed markets. Uh, and we could have, or we maybe we can still get there. Uh, the difficulty right now that I see is uh, primarily driven by uh, these uncertainties uh, on the case uh, because uh, it's difficult for long-term investors to uh, to take the risk that they will put all in the all efforts to make a bid, uh, set up a team uh, uh, in order to bid a project, and then uh, even if they win, they have no certainty that the PPAs will come through. So that, to me, I think is probably the number one risk uh, in current times. Aside from that, I think there is a bit of competitive intensity that has changed the cost of capital quite substantially. Uh, the bids are extremely competitive and uh, borderline aggressive, I would say, uh, which leaves very little upsides and primarily only downsides uh, when you bid for projects. So some investors will get uncomfortable uh, with that situation because you don't want to enter in a winner's curse that you keep winning, but then you, you're winning effectively to lose because your project is never going to make that much money that you anticipate. Uh, so one has to be disciplined. And uh, in the long run, I believe market will correct itself. I think these are all uh, always uh, short-term phenomena. Sometimes there is ample liquidity. There is a lot of uh, cash flush. Uh, and, and therefore, people don't know what to do with their money. So they sort of 
put in with in even lesser returns than what is a normal expectation. So that will happen. And then you have to be disciplined and you sort of do not go beyond what you really need to bid for. You will lose some, but then opportunity will come, you will win some. And maybe some investors will have lower cost of capital and they will win and they'll set up projects. So I think uh, a disciplined approach for uh, continuous continuous flow of projects, uh, if Seki can do that and if Seki can ensure that those contracts do see the light of the day quickly in a time-bound manner, uh, if you offer proper PPAs, then I think there is enough interest uh, and people will bid and people will win and people will build projects. Uh, I think we already have enough uh, investors lined up uh, with a lot of capital to deploy. Uh, I mean, more investors can come in, but already there are some uh, very large investors like ourselves and others uh, who have big ambitions to deploy capital in green future energies. It's just a matter of getting the right level of contractual structure. Thank you so much, Mr. Agarwal, for your time and for providing all this great insight. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Karan. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And do check out the show notes for more information on my guest. See you next time.